0: Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAPs and board review podcast. We're your host, Ben Young.
1: And Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that these podcasts are meant for medical education purposes only, not to diagnose that thing on your eye.
0: We're ophthalmology trainees now who <laughs> uh, figure that reviewing for clinic OCAPs and the boards is better when you don't have to do it alone. Each week, review a high-yield topic and talk about the why and the how.
1: This week, or... A couple weeks maybe we'll see we are going to try to tackle optics and it's gonna I be a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have
0: a lot to cover
1: so we know trying to review optics via a podcast without drawings or visual aids may be tough in fact even back when we first started Ben and I have been debating about how we should approach optics as a subject Just be warned that listening to this podcast isn't going to be enough for you. You're going to have to do a lot of practice problems and review a bunch of equations to memorize, apart from just listening to these episodes we're going to be putting out. But what we can do is explain some of the concepts and principles with an eye towards the common trick questions that pop up. And when you do get to the point where visual aids will be helpful, we strongly recommend a multitude of other resources out there that are more visual, such as Dr. David Hunter's video review of clinical optics. But for now, you're probably trapped in your car anyway, with nothing else more productive to do, so let's try this out and start off with part one of Podcast Optics. But before we begin, yeah, things have changed for us, and uh, hope you're doing well over back at Yale still, Ben, now rallying the troops as the chief resident, right?
0: Yeah. No, we, we miss you.
1: Everything's <laughs> fallen apart since you've left Andrew Powell. That cannot be the case.
0: The streets are on fire. The streets were Chaos always on fire. Chaos through the streets. Uh, how is the promised land of Baltimore, Andrew Powell?
1: Things are wonderful. Fellowship is great, but I do miss it uh, back over in Connecticut, and miss all of you guys, and hope you're doing well. Alright, so we're going to start the optics bonanza off with the concept of vergence. Now, vergence problems are pretty much the first kinds of questions you encounter when you study clinical optics. Those of you who are reviewing, remember the ubiquitous formula U plus P equals V. Which seems pretty easy, but alas, it's very seldom that you're just given the numbers you need to solve that algebra so easily. So to avoid getting tripped up by tricky questions, and for the benefit of those poor souls encountering this for the very first time, let's talk about what vergence is. So think about light rays. When you get down to it, everything is reflecting light rays off the sun. When you look at something like, say, a car, what you're really seeing is the light rays that are bouncing off that car scattering away from it in different directions here's where vergence comes in all light rays are either traveling together in parallel or they're converging or diverging if they're diverging then they are getting farther away from each other just like how the light rays hit that car in our example and then bounced off and scattered away if light rays converge though then they're getting closer to each other And will ultimately meet at a certain point vergence then is a word that encompasses both convergence and divergence and lenses can both make light rays converge or diverge there are two types of lenses convex and concave lenses if light rays pass through a convex lens they'll converge or at least they will a little bit more than they were before if light rays pass through a concave lens then they end up diverging on the other side of that lens. So now you can imagine that the light rays from all the objects that you see around you are all either converging or diverging. Notice that we haven't talked about focus yet. If all you saw were light rays bouncing around like this, it all probably look pretty blurry. You only see things clearly if the light rays are converging to a nice focal point that coincides with right where your retina is and we can manipulate where that focal point ends up with the use of convex and concave lenses. Now before we talk about tricky questions that involve the Virgin's formula, again u plus p equals v, let's imagine a scenario where again our example car will be our example object. It's a little ways away from your eye and not in focus, because as an object, it has a negative vergence. Again, that is to say, light rays coming off the car are scattering or diverging apart, and divergence is the same thing as negative vergence. So to see the car clearly, you need to put a lens between it and your eye, and in this example, it would have to be a convex lens. Convex lenses make passing light rays converge, which is the same thing as positive vergence. So the light ray that is diverging off a car then passes through this convex lens, and immediately after exiting the other side of that convex lens, those light rays start to converge a bit more than they did. Eventually they'll form an image on the other side of that lens, and if that image lines up with right where your retina is again, then you see that car nice and crisp and in focus. So to summarize, You had an object, a lens and an image all in a line. In this example, the object has negative vergence. The lens has positive vergence since it's a convex lens and the image has positive vergence. That's not always the case, but you can always make sure by using that famous formula U plus P equals V. And now let's explain that U is the variable that represents the object's vergence p is the vergence of the lens and v is the vergence of the image vergence is measured in diopters and by convention when you draw this out the object is usually placed to the left of the lens and thereby is given a negative sign but conceptually i like to remember remember that the vergence's positivity or negativity depends on whether the light rays at that location are scattering or coming to a point so if all a question did was give you numbers for these variables u p and v then that'd be great if i knew for example that i had a car with a vergence of minus 5 diopters and i was told that a convex lens placed in front of it was plus 10 diopters in strength then u plus p or negative 5 plus 10 would equal v or plus 5 diopters hooray i did it but usually these questions don't just give you these variables in such a straightforward manner. Instead, they'll usually give you distances between the object, the lens, and the image. So how are you supposed to figure out the relationship between vergence and distance? Well, if a bunch of light rays are converging, then they will will end up intersecting at some point, and the vergence itself describes when that'll happen. As has been famously said, all you do is take the reciprocal of the vergence to get the distance at which those light rays will intersect. Since you don't have calculators in the OCAP or the board exams, you'll have to get good at reciprocals and units. So a convex lens with a vergence of plus five diopters will have a focal point 20 centimeters away because one meter divided by five diopters is 0.2 meters or 20 centimeters. On the other hand, a concave lens with a vergence of minus two diopters will have a focal point 50 centimeters behind the lens, as one divided by negative two is negative 0.5 meters, or 50 centimeters behind the lens. When it does that, it's called a virtual image, and honestly, you should probably go take a look at array tracing to see what a real or a virtual image is, but in brief a real image will result at the point where light rays converge. So, convex lenses will usually give you real images. But what about concave lenses that create divergence? Ultimately, you still only see images where light rays converge, and if the actual light rays that have passed through a concave lens are now spreading apart and diverging past the lens, then the reason you see a virtual image behind the lens on the same side as the object is because the now diverging light rays can be traced back to a point of origin that appears like a virtual image, which is on the same side of the lens as where the object is. It's not really there, it's a virtual image, but you know, hey, what's the difference? Images real or virtual, aren't corporal things. They're just floating, ghost-like, until something with photoreceptors perceives them. So that's vergence in a nutshell. When Ben and I recorded this episode, we kind of glossed over these vergence basics and then felt like we should include it, so there it is. Now let's go back to Ben and see what he'll do for a tricky vergence problem.
0: So a kind of more difficult way to ask the standard U plus P equals V question is if you have a direct ophthalmoscope and you have it an X distance away from the eye, what, where do you turn the dial on the ophthalmoscope to dial in the correct power to focus on the
1: retina? Okay. So in this story problem, they've got three things in this optical system. One is the patient's eyeball, which you're trying to look at. The second is the direct ophthalmoscope, which really is just a lens of variable strength. The third is you, the examiner. The really tricky part of this problem is this. You could make each of those things into a u plus p equals v problem, with the patient's eyeball being u, the scope being p, and your own retina, since that's where the image should line up, would be v. But doing that wouldn't necessarily be helpful for you in setting up how to solve this problem. And you'd see that if you drew it out in a ray tracing diagram. We aren't really supposed to think of light rates coming out of an eyeball anyway. And if you tried to reason it out with how light would have to get into the eye to reflect off of it, you'd end up with a scrawled out mess. But the principle of vergence has another application. At every point along an optical system, the vergence of light rays in that system changes depending on where your point of reference is. Let's use this example to illustrate that. Let's just say that the patient's eyeball is myopic with a glasses requirement of minus five diopters. That means that things will come into focus for them 20 centimeters away, their far point is 20 centimeters away. But unless your own retina is exactly 20 centimeters away from their face, then you won't see their eye clearly. So, you stick a direct ophthalmoscope in between and you get up right close and personal. Your goal is this. Can you get those light rays that are coming quote-unquote out of the patient's eye, the ones that, because of their vergence, will come to a far point, 20 centimeters in front of their face, can you get those light rays to be parallel when they exit your direct ophthalmoscope? Because if they're parallel coming out of the scope, then your own eyeball's refractive strength will squeeze them into focus onto your own retina. So, what lens strength will offset the vergence of a minus 5 diopter myope? Now, here's where we can apply the principle of how vergence changes in a system, depending on the location of the reference point. Since we're wondering where to hold the direct ophthalmoscope also, let's say that the scope is our reference point. And let's say that you're holding it 5 centimeters in front of the patient's face. That means there's only 15 centimeters between the direct ophthalmoscope and where the far point is. If you take the reciprocal, or 1 divided by 0.15 meters, you'll get 6.66 and onwards 6.66 diopters. 6 and 2 thirds diopters. That's the strength of the virgins at that point in front of the eye. The eyeball itself, at its point of origin, twenty centimeters behind the far point, had five diopters of vergence. Then we scooted five centimeters in front of the eye, along the course of those same light rays, and now the vergence of those rays isn't five diopters anymore; it's six point six six. And if you scooted any further forward towards the far point, the vergence of these same light rays would change yet again. So now to actually answer the question of how much power we should be dialing into the direct ophthalmoscope, well, we want that vergence to be nullified so we can see it clearly on our own retina. So you'd offset the 6.66 diopters of vergence at that point, five centimeters in front of the eye, by dialing in negative 6.66 diopters into your ophthalmoscope.
0: Okay, so, right, I mean, that... That is how you would solve that kind of a question. What, however, you know, this all assumes that the examiner's eye is basically plano. What if it's not?
1: One other wrinkle with these questions is if the examiner's eye, as in, if you're looking at a patient through this direct ophthalmoscope, but you yourself are either myopic or hyperopic, that's going to have to figure in to what you're actually dialing in into the prescription, or at least the the scope so say for example the vergence is like minus 10 diopters but the examiner you have about minus 2 diopters of myopia yourself then that'll actually kind of make up for some of that minus 10 degree total vergence so you'd only have to dial in you know 10 minus 2 you'd only have to dial in a minus 8 diopter strength into the scope
0: so then what if you were a plus 2 hypero like yourself
1: Well, then you're actually acting against the vergence that you have to get to. So then you have to sum it together, and then you'd have to dial in minus 12 diopters into the scope to compensate. And we have a lot more that we'd like to cover for optics, of course, but that's probably it for your commuting time for now. So let's just call it a day with the concept of vergence, and stay tuned for future episodes that'll go more into depth, and we have pages and pages of notes here, so you've got so much to look forward to on your drives to and from work, everybody. For now. Take care, and as usual, if you have feedback for these episodes and want to tell us what you liked, what you didn't, what could work a little better, we are happy to hear, and you can just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also check out our website at www.eyes4ears.com with the number 4, and our various social media outlets like Twitter, Instagram... We're working on those with the handle Eyes4Ears with the number 4 as well. Now, the Buddy Call episodes will continue happening throughout the summer so that Ben can get his new first-year residents in line, but we are still going to be producing these uh, OCAP and really board review podcasts as well. I'm studying for boards just like some of the rest of you, so good night and good luck to all of you guys out there. See you soon.